You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yes. Off and running on a Saturday, January 8th, 2022. Oh, people, what's going on? It has been a while, but uh, we are back. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Back from the holidays. So even though it's a little bit late, Happy New Year to all of you. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend, a fantastic Saturday, a little chilly, a little raw, a little snow, maybe a little sledding in the afternoon like I was doing a little while ago. But it is the return of the four-hour radio extravaganza with you until 7 p.m. tonight, up until Nick's and Celtics pregame, which comes your way at 7 here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. So, so much to do. I mean, we are jam-packed. So much, too much to do over the next four. Not one, not two, not three. Four hours. So we'll get into it all because the NFL playoffs are right around the corner. The road to Super Bowl 56 is right around the corner. Week 18 kicks off in just a little while. More importantly than all of that, this is the last weekend. We are forced to watch the Jets, forced to watch the Giants, forced to watch horrendously bad football. The final, we've made it. It's like the end of a marathon where you're forced to hold your eyes open like a clockwork orange. It's been bad, it stayed bad, and in some cases it got worse. Two teams whose seasons have been over, if I'm being generous, since October. (laughs) You really, it was really September, but let's just... Because we're turning over a new leaf for the new year. Let's just say October. So congratulations to you. You have made it, Jet fans. You have made it, Giant fans. Myself as a Dolphin fan. Now we get to see how the other half lives. We get to see how good football can look. And it starts today, final week of the regular season. And, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until 7 o'clock, Knicks and Celtics. So, and we'll see if there's uh, any carryover from the other night at the Garden. Matt, I mean, what a fantastic win that was. The furious comeback, rallying from, what was it, 25 down. Evan Fournier shooting the lights out just when you thought Evan Fournier is a lost cause. Here he comes. Three after three after three. R.J. Barrett with the miracle heave of a game winner at the buzzer. All the Julius Randle stuff. So we'll get to that. We'll get to the playoff stuff as well. and The uh, the playoff picture, if I will. Uh, Chiefs and Broncos coming up. NFL picks. Probably 6.30 tonight. But uh, we will focus a lot on the Jets and Giants. because, And we will focus on the NFL draft. Because, let's be honest. I, I was the first one to jump on this bandwagon. I think it was week six that we started. Uh, and now the NFL draft is a mere 110, 111 days away, but who's counting? So we'll run through our uh, latest mock draft simulator with Connor Rogers at 530. I think this is mock draft 4.0. Uh, and we'll see, you know, who is realistically available when the Jets and Giants will pick with their two picks in the uh, first round. Because, look, we've we got to keep some positivity on the show. It can't be negative all the time. So... But it is Saturday. It is the Gordon Damer Show. So we know 6 o'clock we'll have the latest edition of Polar Opposite of Power Rankings, the poop rankings, if you will. Everyone else focused on who's the best in the NFL. How would we know? We watch the Jets and the Giants every single week. So we'll have the poop rankings at 6. But you know what? More so than the Knicks, who we will focus on in the course of the show. We'll get to you know Aaron Rodgers and Kyrie Irving, all the hot topics. But you know what? Let's start with the Giants. 
because the Giants are fascinating in, in this. How? Have you watched them? No, they are fascinating in this respect. Because somehow, against all odds, they kind of still feel like the story of the moment. They're 4-12 and 12 and really even worse than that. They've been a team that's been dead really from the start of the season. But yet here we are in the new year, final week of the regular season, and somehow there's still like compelling conversations surrounding the New York Giants. And there's, look, there's no reason for this team to still be in our minds. They should, I mean, they're a bad team this year. They were a bad team last year. They've been a bad team for a very long time. And today, actually a significant date in Giant history. Do you know what today is? January 8th. What does January 8th signify to you? Today is the, I believe, five-year anniversary of the infamous boat trip. Remember that one? Oh, good times, people. Good times. When the Giants, back when the Giants were still preparing for playoff games. But, you know, I was, uh, I filled in Monday, Tuesday on DPH and Rothenberg, and Rick asked me the question about the Giants. Like, who could the Giants beat right now? And I think we both kind of came to the conclusion at this point, right now, uh, I think this was even before the Glennon injury, but <laughs> does it really matter? Uh, nobody. The answer was nobody. I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine that this season could have gone worse. Again, it started bad. It, well, look, let's go back. Before the season, I think that there was a little bit of optimism. Now, if you remember, not to have revisionist history, coming into the year, there was a very large divide when it came to the Giants. There was a portion of NFL I guess it was more fans. It wasn't really observers. Uh, and I wouldn't really say it was media. But there was a portion of people that thought, you know what, look at the Giants. You know, they've been bad. But at the end of last year, they did show you some signs of life. Last year was a really weird year with the COVID stuff. And it was year one for the coach. And I think coming out of last year, if people didn't feel that bad about the coach, um, even with the way that the season ended and everything with the Eagles and all that stuff, and then they go out and they, they spend more money, and I think that there was some optimism in some circles when it came to the New York Giants. You know, you add Kenny Galladay, you add Adoree Jackson. Maybe there is some hope that not necessarily playoff or playoff mix, but steps forward, progress, some progress. And coming from where you were, progress is not all. It shouldn't really be that hard. It really shouldn't be that hard. But the, the other side of the coin was basically Vegas. Vegas. I think that they had the the Jets over-under being one fewer game than the Giants over-under. And there was no optimism surrounding The Jets season was, hey, let's just get through it. Let's not be as bad as we were last year and hope that the quarterback plays fairly well. So uh, there was that very large divide. And uh, it's safe to say, which side of the coin got that right? Which side of the coin was nailing that one? And... It's hard to believe that the way this like it's been bad, right? Like they have now the last they've lost five in a row. The last four, I think, they've lost on average by twenty points. And this past Sunday was as close as you can get for an NFL team to just completely forfeit on a game. Uh, They were not trying to win that game. If they won that game, it would have been an absolute miracle. It started bad. It got worse. And um, after the game, it was embarrassing. There's no other way to put it. And I think. It has the potential to be worse this week, if that's possible. Because, as I said, lost five in a row. Offense is not an NFL offense. It's, it, 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 even with Mike Glennon, it was not an NFL offense. And now you're going to have Jake Fromm 
and potentially, what's the other guy's name? Brian Lewerke? I, I'm not. I, that's an actual person who's go, might play in an NFL game this weekend. Uh, I think he went to Michigan State, I think. Uh, and then, of course, you have the head coach who took his time this week to single out his opponent as what he views as the example of a clown show. So, and I guess we have to start with the coach. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number because, you know, look, what's done is done, right? And, and now it's a point of, you know, the last five years for, for Giant fans have been brutal. Uh, one's proud organization, which has now really become one of, if not the laughing stock of football. Now, I would still say Jacksonville is probably worse, but the Giants aren't far behind. I mean, <laughs> once Jacksonville gets done, the New York Giants, you are on the clock. And it should be clear at this point that the Giants have a major problem, right? Like, the organ- we all know that. I mean, if you listen to the shows, you listen, I mean, you listen to anybody talk about the Giants, it's clear to everybody else. The problem is it doesn't seem like it's clear to the Giants. And if this season was nothing else, it should have been a moment of clarity that you need when things are going wrong and you don't realize things are going wrong and then all of a sudden it dawns on you, oh my God, what, what am I doing? Where am I? Who am I as a person? Um, you should realize this is not working. And it, this has been worse than we could have ever imagined. And the real problem with the Giants is it seems like everyone else knows better than they know. And that's the worst thing. You always kind of hope that even when your team is bad, whoever is running your team, that they have a better inkling about what's going on inside the building than the outsiders do. That they can scout themselves better than even they scout other teams or better than other teams are scouting them. But that has not been the case. The, the, the Giants have been proven to be the worst ju- judges of what the Giants actually need. And this goes back, right? I mean, the mistake of hanging with Eli for too long, or hiring Gettleman as the GM, or drafting the running back number two, or the offseason. Sp- I mean, time and time and time again, the Giants are the worst judges of where the Giants are actually at. So, you know, I was talking with my wife this week about the Giants, and she does not care one iota about sports. But I was trying to find terms that she would, you know, kind of relate to. Not necessarily understand. She can understand it, but she doesn't care. So I'm trying to figure out a way to put it in terms that, that could relate to her, and I think I finally found it. The problem with the Giants is that they're obviously in need of a makeover, and they will make some changes, But it seems like the changes that they're going to make, at least as we sit here at this point in time right now, and who knows what happens tomorrow because I do think it has the potential to get really ugly. And then after the game, who knows where Joe Judge will go after the last couple of weeks. But I think that everyone realizes that the Giants are in the need of a makeover, but it looks like the Giants plan on the makeover being, all right, we'll hire a new GM. Obviously, we've got to get a new... You know, we got to get a new offensive coaching staff. But the coach is staying from all reports, right? Seems like his job is safe. The quarterback's going to be back. Given the the cap limitations that you will have, it doesn't really look like that they're going to be making dramatic. They're not blowing it up. Let's put it that way. And if there's an organization that is in need of blowing it up, it would certainly be the Giants. So I was talking to my wife. I said, look, it's clear that the Giants need a makeover. 
But the Giants are under the impression that they need to go on like one of those HGTV shows where someone redoes a kitchen in like 30 minutes, you know, coat of paint, new backsplash, they buy a new fridge and call it a day. Yeah, that, that's reality is that the Giants, they need much more of a my 600 pound life approach. They, they, they're like hoarders. They, they're, they need like a team of people to be working on them right now. Because the Giants are extreme makeover NFL edition. That's the way that they should be approaching it. And uh, to just keep on with the same motif here, you don't need to be the Long Island medium to realize that. They need like a boot camp format. They need a massive overhaul. It's not just about a new coat of paint. It's not about just a new GM. It's been broken. It is broken. And the fact that it, it appears by all accounts, not just that they're going to keep the coach and bring in a new GM, but it seems like, according to the reports, that the coach will have a major say on who, who they will bring in as GM. Again, no one seems to be a worse judge of the Giants than the actual Giants. So it's still kind of hard for me to believe, and I know all the reports are that his job is safe. It's kind of hard for me to believe that Joe Judge will be brought back when, again, sometimes hindsight is twenty twenty, But sometimes being in the moment, it's clear what needs to be done, and it's not done. And if you were to create a checklist of what an, organi- an organization that needs to be blown up, what would they have on that checklist? Well, they've been historically bad. And you'd have to say the Giants have been historically bad. The last five years, they have been atrocious. Atrocious. Have not been over 500 in five years. Not 1-0. and oh, Not 2-1. and one, Not 3-2. and two, Not over 500 in five years. That almost seems impossible. That almost seems impossible to do. But it doesn't end there, right? They're an organization that has major questions at quarterback. Again, they have to have a complete offensive coaching staff overhaul, you would think, right? They're an organization that now has some cap problems. I think of the third fewest uh, amount of cap space going into next year when you're looking at a historically bad team. And I'm not going to tell you I know anything about the salary cap per se, but, you know, when you're third worst, anything you're doing to create space likely is just going to cause more problems down the road. They have a lack of overall talent. I mean, I think the Giants are more talented maybe than 4-12 and 12 if they could ever stay healthy, but I don't look at it as being talent that's 7 or 8 or 9 wins. All their key players seem to be injury prone, and then you have a coach who's now after two seasons going to be 10-23, and 23, and it seems like the Giants are like, yeah, we got to make some changes, but the main mission is to stay the course, which seems like in the moment too obvious to everyone with eyes except them to be the wrong course of action. You're telling me that gambling's now approved in New York? I, I didn't know. I didn't hear. I just really flown under the radar today. Not any news about it. Nobody's talking about it. It's really been, uh, again, under the... Ra- no, I'm just kidding. Thank... I mean, for New York, I'm, a, I'm in Jersey, so I've been doing it the whole time. I, I, I don't know how you made it through the NFL season without it. I mean, watching the Jets and Giants every week without putting a little something on it to, to kind of keep it interesting from the couch. God, I mean, you should be the Sports Illustrated Sports People of the Year for making it through the season without, without a little bit of gambling or at least, you know, online gambling. As if, you know, I'm sure now that it's legal in New York and New York is finally, you know, 
gotten with the times. I mean, come on. That there'll be all these articles about, oh, well, you know what? The dangers. Yeah, well, look, I'm not telling you that it doesn't have any dangers, especially for people who do have, have problems. But uh, <laughs> are we to believe that people weren't already doing it? Honestly, that that's what you think? Like all of a sudden now people, wait a sec, this gambling. Now, how does this work again now? How do I do this? So congratulations to uh, New Yorkers. You finally joined the modern age living in the cavemen days. And again, sitting through NFL game, giant games, jet games every single week, sometimes at the some, same time. And, you know, I actually found that I actually like having them both at the same time because then at least it gets it out of the way. There was a time where the Jets and Giants weren't as bad as this, and I'd hate, and it was very rare, but I'd hate for when they both played at the same time. I'd much rather have one at one, one at four, and then you could, you could you know, have your full attention on the game. With the teams being as bad as they are now, I, I prefer them to be at the same time just so I can get them out of the way. It's done with. It's almost like having homework on the weekend, and then at 4 o'clock at least I can open up that window to watch an actually entertaining game. So 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. And um, before we get to the phone, I did want to just kind of continue to talk about the Giants because, look, after this week, and I don't want to say it too much because Monday I'm sure there will be um, some focus on it because you'd have to think Monday's the day where you get the announcement about Gettleman be it a retirement, be it a firing, be it whatever it is, just be it, let it be. <laughs> just let's get, <laughs> let's just get it over with because there has not, I mean, it's hard to, when we talk about the disastrous, most disastrous um, uh, leaderships of organizations in this town, be it Phil Jackson, be it, um, be it whoever, um, Isaiah Thomas with the Knicks, Phil Jackson with the Knicks, the the bad old days of the Giants in the, in the 70s. Uh, it's hard to find someone who got more things wrong in a, a four-year span of time than, than Dave Gettleman did. So, uh, and came in, I, I almost, there's part of me that was toying with the idea of going back to that opening press conference when he, he talked about the very, you know, the Eli is still good. We still, I still see some things with his throws. Talking about him, we're going to improve the offensive line. And all the promises that he made at that time to see if any of them actually got accomplished. Because it would be hard to believe that any of them did. But Let's. I mean, so Monday, I'm sure we'll focus on the Giants some. The season will be over. But after that, until the draft rolls around, I mean, I, it's almost like you when the Giants season's over, you need to, like, go off the grid in terms of, of Giant football and just, like, cleanse your soul. So this might be the last chance we get for a little while. Although, again, it could be very bad on Sunday. Um, and, I mean, the offense has already been one of the worst things you could ever see. And it's not going to probably improve on Sunday. And then, of course, you have the coach who every single week he's making those press conferences, must see TV. And let's focus on that for, for just a second. In, in that, as bad, you know, think about this. And I brought this up with Larry during the week. On Sunday, the Giants went out. And again, if you watched any portion of the game, and if you made it all the way to the end, you deserve a medal or a T-shirt or a hat or a medium Pepsi or something. 
Um, but if you made it all the way to the end, you realize that was a game the Giants had no almost intentions of trying to win. There was no ch- there was very little chance of them winning, but they weren't even going to try. And they didn't even come close. And it was it was clear from jump that it was not going to happen. But as bad as that performance was against a bad Bears team who will be fu- like when Monday comes, if not sooner, it might be Sunday night. Matt Nagy is getting fired. And it's crazy to me that Matt Nagy, who I believe was a coach of the year the first year, took his team to the playoffs. And, and this is his worst season by far. But, I mean, you take a look at his win-loss record compared to Joe Judge's win-loss record, and it's night and day. And it's clear that Matt Nagy is going to be out. And I'm not telling you that that's a wrong decision, but it's also clear that it seems like, by all accounts, that Joe Judge is going to be back, and it doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense. So let's focus on the coach for just a second. But, like, it's a, as bad as the Giants were on Sunday, the coach has been the bigger focus because of the things that he has said. Focusing on all the things that you can't see because you guys are not in the building and all the things that we're building well here. But then... More importantly to me is when he brings up the things that you can kind of judge. And it's clear that those things aren't true. Like, you know, like it's one thing for him to say that he sees good things. (laughs) What things, right? Like, I mean, what are you talking about? But like, oh, well, players call him that used to be here and how much they want to be back here, even though they're making more money other places. So then people went and kind of looked at, um, you know, uh, who could that possibly be? Like, let's, let's play like the game of Clue where we're crossing off everyone we know who it isn't. And let's see if we can come to an idea of who it might possibly be. And there doesn't seem to be anybody that it could possibly be. Or that, you know, that they were, when he was in New England, that they were all going to get fired that year. Who was going to get fired that year? We were all going to get fired that year? The whole coaching staff? When I think that they actually went to the Super Bowl, I think that was the Atlanta year that they beat Atlanta. And then talking about how the Giants aren't a clown show, again, you are the, the Giants are the worst judge of, of who the Giants are because around the league, the perception that the Giants is that they're a clown show. I mean, the most entertaining part of this week's game might be the post-game handshake because... After, uh, at first, not making it seem like a big deal, Ron Rivera kind of fired back about Joe Judge about the fighting on the sideline, saying, you know, focus on your own problems. And trust me, the Giants have more than enough problems to be focusing on. More than enough problems to be focusing on. So to me, again, it doesn't make any sense that you would have this team in this spot and, and not realize that everything must go. Let's clear it all out. And let's start fresh. Let's have our moment of, you know what, this has been five years of this. We need somebody to come in from outside and, 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 and shoot us straight. That's what we need if you're the Giants organization. Because you are, again, the worst judge of where you're at and who you are. And it's never been more uh, abundantly clear than it is right now. Now, it's been clear the entire time. We've been screaming these things really for the last five years. And the Giants really have not listened because they make it. And and look, I I will say this. The Giants, at least in the not-too-distant past, have had success. So at least from my point of view, with the same ownership group as you had when, when you had that success, there's a tendency more to give them the benefit of the doubt. 
But that benefit of the doubt, boy, that has been that 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 bus left town a long time ago, and it's over in the ditch up with, with you know with its wheels up at the ceiling. I mean, it, it's it's so bad. It's so bad. And and one more thing to uh, just kind of hit on before we go to the phones one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number from from last week that I saw, and <laughs> I laughed at it uh, every time I've seen it. And it's something along the lines about how Saquon Barkley last week had this breakout performance and why he's a guy that the Giants should still be, be counting on moving forward. I think uh, our Jordan Renan had a story where the, the headline was, Big Game, a reminder why the Giants still believe in him in, in terms of, of Saquon Barkley. Are, are, I mean, are we serious? Are we serious? He had 102 yards in exclusively garbage time. I mean, the whole game was garbage time. And it's great that he finally had a 100-yard game. That 100 yards in a game that was a blowout from the first, what, 50 seconds of the game, that's going to wipe out all the other the, the other rest of the season? What? Now, if you told me it, it showed you a glimmer of the player you hoped to, to have at one point in time, okay, fine. Again, that ship has sailed. Did I say the bus had left? I don't know. I, I get my analogies screwed up sometimes. The bus, the boat, the plane, the, the horse and carriage, they're, they're all gone. They're all gone. His season's been a disaster. He's been outplayed this year by Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker has been a better running back than Saquon Barkley. He's been hurt. He's been unproductive. He's set to make 7 to $8 million next year. Now, they're already on the hook for that. Apparently, they had already picked up the 50-year option. Which, you know, maybe in, the, in this day and age doesn't sound like that much. That's what, $7, 8000000 million. There's only nine running backs in the entire sport who are making more money than Saquon Barkley next year. And again, I would just simply ask, what makes you think he's going to be healthy next year? I mean, the best indicator of, of future performance is past performance. And outside of his rookie year, he's played in 28 of 49 games, which according to my math, which is always a bit questionable, I will grant you that but it seems like it would check out, is 57% of the Giants games. 57. And of that 57, what percentage would you say, because there's no way of knowing, it's unknowable, but what percentage would you say of that 57% is 100? He was 100%. It's, it's, it's a whole lot less than, than the 57%. I can tell you that. A whole lot less. So, look, the, the Giants, I mean, you can keep delaying it. You can keep kicking the can down the road, but don't complain when things don't change. Don't give me, you know, when the season ends, and I'm assuming John Mara is going to have a press conference at some point to talk about the disastrous season, and he'll tell you, you know, we want to win, we want to do this. We want to... Well, if you're not making necessary, the, the necessary changes that everybody, this is not, I'm not the NFL's Kreskin. I'm not like going out on a limb. You know, I've run the numbers, and it turns out, no, this is a guy standing on top of the mountain screaming to everybody down below, obvious. And yet the only people not getting the message are the people running the team. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's get a couple of calls in here because I've been blabbering far. I'm working way too hard, people. Dave is in Queens. Dave, you're first up on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM. Thanks for being on, Gordon. I enjoy your show, man. I appreciate it. Okay, brother. I got to be the guy to say this. I think Jacksonville would beat the Giants. I think the Giants are the 32nd best team in the league, and I think Trevor Lawrence would beat Jake Farm, right, right at this moment. So 
I th- I'm going to say I think the Giants are 32nd, worst team in the league. I don't know when that happened last, but in the 70s, but I think they're the worst, in my opinion. And then number two, I have a question for you, my friend. Idzik or Gettleman, pound for pound, who was the worst? Because you didn't mention Idzik before. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh that's a, yeah. You know, I somehow, Dave, I completely, uh, yeah, it's like I have PTSD yeah. from watching all this bad football. I completely forgot about all the chat. Oh, oh Idzik or Gettleman. Yeah, who, oh, my God. Pound for pound. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say probably Idzik is worse uh, because you take a look at his drafts and there's not even guys that are in the NFL anymore. Now, that's faint praise. Uh, and Gettleman at yeah. least was uh, entertaining to a certain degree. Now, it was mostly laughing yeah. at him than, than, than laughing with him. But, uh, yeah, he's that's – He's a character, Joe, yeah. of a character. He's a – well, he'll be he, – he could have his little moment in the sun and when he's cleaning out his office. He can make his little jokes to the secretary oh, or whatever, take yeah, his little old computer out with him and, uh, and then, you know, leave us at the 32nd – leave us at the 32nd-ranked team in the league, in my opinion. That's a good uh, way to go. He's almost as bad as it is, but I'll put it there. Thanks, Gordon. All right, Dave. Yeah, thanks for the call. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone. Now, yeah, I think Idzig was worse. Um, now, Idzig wasn't there as long, so maybe if he had uh, – was Idzig there two years? Boy, it all runs together after a while, man. Yikes. I mean, he he had drafts where they just didn't – none of the guys in the draft, like, lasted on the team. And, and again, it wasn't like they were trying to make the Patriots. I mean, they were trying to make the Jets. Uh, So, yeah, it was – that's bad. No question. I I don't think that – maybe I'm wrong, but I can't imagine that that Gettleman is going to have some sort of press conference. So I think that it'll be an announcement. It'll be a a, – an announcement like an email that will be sent out that he is no longer working for the Giants organization. Be it, I mean, they might say it's a retirement. They might say it's firing, whatever. I mean, I would think if you were going to fire him, you would have fired him by now. Like, like, let's go. But maybe they, for some reason, they feel some sort of loyalty to him to, to allow him at the end of his career to, to make it seem like it's a, um, a retirement. Maybe. Maybe. Let's go to Dino. He's in Rockland. Dino, what's going on, pal? What's up, Gordon? Thanks for taking my call. What you got? Um, uh, so I was going to ask this question, but do, do you, before I ask it, do you have faith in any single player on the Giants at all? Well, I mean, look, you know, there's, there's individual play. I don't think the Giants have any players – that I would say, oh, my God, that, you know, like Andrew Thomas, I think, could be a building block player for when the Giants are good again. Like if the Giants are going to be a playoff team in the next, I don't know, three years, I think that if you're looking at the players that are on the team right now, you know, Andrew Thomas, he's certainly made stride. Now, I don't know that it's I'm writing it in stone, but I would look at him as being a, a real good possibility. Is Kenny Galladay still going to be here in three years? Is is Saquon Barkley still going to be here in three years? Uh, is the quarterbacks? I mean, there's not you know there's not a whole lot of players that I would say yeah that guy for sure. I mean, a few. So then here's my question: Okay, do you do you take those two first rounders they have and trade them for more picks to completely revamp? Or what? Well, look, are you asking me what I would do or what you th- I think the Giants will do? Yeah, I mean, two your separate opinion questions. is better than what the Giants have been doing for the past right. however long they've been doing it. Well, look, if the Giants were smart, they would look at this as being a long-term situation. Like, they are miles away from being good. 
So if I were them, yeah, I, I would take that Bears pick for sure or one of those two picks uh, and, and use that in any way I could to be paying me dividends down the road. So if it means I move, like, uh, where's the bear pick right now? Eight or nine or something like that. Uh, wherever yeah. that pick is right now, I would beg and hope that somebody wants to move up there and give me a number one next year and I move down to late in the first round. And then I have that pick and a number one pick or, or future twos down the road. Whatever I, the, the, the smart organizations realize that, that the hit rate of number one picks or any pick is generally at best 50-50. So it's not about having the higher pick. It's about having more shots at the dartboard. And when you're talking about a team that I think, like the Giants, are not very talented, it's about getting as many shots at the dartboard and kind of remaking the talent of this team and realizing it is not a quick fix. The Giants could nail two Hall of Fame players in the first round. Uh, They're still not going to be a playoff team next year. So then... Yeah, so trade the picks for later rounds just to get more. But then what do you yeah. do with the pieces that you have? Like, are you going to get rid of Saquon? Are you going to get rid of Daniel well, Jones? Look, I mean, th- again, that Dino, that gets, that gets back to what should they do and what are they going to do? I mean, they think of uh, Saquon, the fact that they paid as high a price. And, and look, he's a, he's a good guy in, in a perfect situation. They would love for him to be that kind of focal point of the offense. But he has not been that. And he's been hurt a lot. And what makes you think he's going to be healthier now than he has been? So uh, I would not be surprised if he show. you know, like they're going to bring him back on the fifth-year option. And Dino, thanks for the phone call. They're going to bring him back on the fifth-year option. And hopefully, for their sake, for his sake, because he seems like a really good guy. I've known people that have had dealings with him. He's a really good kid. Uh, hopefully next year he's more productive and he needed like a full year to kind of come back from the knee injury. But he's been hurt constantly while he's been here. And the problem, if he does go out next year and he's more productive, which you'd have to think, if he's healthy at some point, he's going to be more productive. I mean, he couldn't be any worse than he's been this year. Then the talk is going to be about a contract extension. He probably wanted one already, but last year he got hurt, and then this year you know, it went sideways. So they got him for the fifth-year option. They'll probably look to see wh- how he does next year. And unfortunately, it seems like the, you know, their loyalty will be like, okay, well, he, you know, he, he was better than he was. He was healthier than he was. And now let's, now let's lock him up. Like locking up a running back is generally a bad idea. But, of course, taking one with the second pick in the draft is a terrible idea. And as I've brought up many times before, I would bet that we have seen the last of a running back ever going in the top two picks ever going I mean take a look at the look at the teams that are going to the playoffs this year what team would you say really has like a guy that that's the guy they rely on well you would obviously say the Titans right Derrick Henry that's he is the guy that they rely on right okay now he was a second round pick but okay fine um how many other teams have like that one guy that you rely on not many if any I don't know that there's another team is there another team that really relies on like one guy not really, no. It's Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM ESPN New York. We're about a half hour away from the opening up of week 18 in the NFL with the Chiefs and the uh, Broncos. And uh, we're a day away from finally making it to the, uh, the finish line of what has been a uh, brutal NFL season with the Jets and Giants. Now, at least with the Jets, there's been some, some optimism here over the last couple of weeks with the way the quarterback has played. And, and this past week, as I mentioned during the week, 
This past week, this was win-win for the Jets. Uh, Again, it was never about expectations this year or win totals this year. It was just about, you know, getting the quarterback out there, having him play fairly well, seeing, you know, getting those those signs of hope that, uh, that you got the right guy in the draft. And I'm glad that there's some optimism, you know, because the quarterback has played better. He's had a strong close to the year. He he certainly this past week looked more comfortable. He made some throws into some very tight windows. And again, throwing to guys like Kenny Yaboa, you know, I mean, like guys uh, most of us have never heard of before. He's not, he's really cut down on the interceptions, which is a good thing. But, you know, the problem with with everything with the Jets uh, has been, I, I just kind of feel like, you know, stop me if you've heard this one before. I've heard this all before. I've heard this all before. I heard this all about Sam Darnold. And I'll say this. Darnold had a uh, had a better rookie season than Wilson had. He had a better final month than Wilson has have. That you you know a lot of you guys are. I mean, especially online. I mean, it's almost like propaganda. Like, oh my God, it's so clear now. All right, guys, he he played well. I'm not going to tell you he didn't play well. I'm not telling you there's not reason to to feel good. But at least part of that equation is from where he's coming from. Because that doesn't go away. That didn't get eliminated. That still exists. Those games still exist. Now, it's better that he's opening up. uh, He's closing the season better than he opened it up. You don't want it the other way around, like opening it up great and then closing it terribly. But um, I I don't know. I I see things that look like progress, sure. I'm just saying, like, let's not get carried away. And and I think the main point is the jury is still very much out. Like, I like some of the things. I think you like some of the things you've seen from Zach Wilson here. But, like, the jury is still out. Like, to think that we have now gotten, we've passed the Rubicon of, of, of questions about the quarterback in terms of where he was picked or anything like that, I think that's getting carried away. And I would say mainly, just go out tomorrow, have a, have a routine good game, you know, like a decent game, and just don't get embarrassed. Don't lose by 40 points, please. Uh, because then that takes all the, the progress again that you've seen over the last couple of weeks, and it kind of flushes it down the toilet again. Then you feel like you're right back in the same boat. Right, right back in the same boat. Also, before we go back to the phones, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, I did find some quotes from the Gettleman opening day when he first got the job. Um, one of them was, my plan is to come in here and kick every day and kick butt. He didn't say butt. He said the other word. Uh, that's my plan, okay? And I'm going to keep doing it until they either take away my key card or the Lord calls me home. Yeah, well, I think it's it's clearly going to be that first one because uh, it is it's been a disaster. It's been a disaster. Um, one of the quotes uh, from John Mara. Um, I've said before that his knowledge of the personnel in the National Football League is second to none. I think he has an excellent evaluation skills. He's a great communicator. He's got strong leadership qualities. And most importantly, he's a man of integrity. Dave has been with four different NFL organizations. He's had a lot of success with each one of them. And he's had some great mentors throughout his career. Given the state of our team at the moment, and with all the difficult and important decisions we have facing us, we believed it was most important to bring in somebody who had experience as a general manager, somebody with a proven track record. We followed very closely what Dave did with Carolina after conducting these interviews and doing our research after much time uh, discussion. After much discussion, the three of us, myself, Steve Tish, and Ernie Accorsi, had conviction that Dave was the right man for the job. Um, Eli talked about Eli, Dave Gettleman, back to Gettleman. Eli has won a lot of games. He's a great competitor, very intelligent. And he and I are going to talk. And if what I saw in Philadelphia was not a mirage, and I don't believe it was, then we'll just keep moving on with him. 
So, I, I, and where was the one about? Um, he had one about the offensive line. No, I remember that that was a major focus uh, discussion. Ah, the importance of building the offensive line. Again, you can't put a time frame on anything. You really can't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm going to fix it in two years. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Um, sorry. Uh, just because John would run me out of the building. The bottom line, you go to work, you go to work. It's that simple. You have no idea what's going to happen. That, that's true. Uh, you have no idea who's going to be available. People get cut all the time. You say, whoa, the bottom line, there are people available on the street. That bad habit that people have is, well, what's wrong with them? Wait a minute. Don't look at the negative. What's right with them? Can he help us? Now let's see if we can dig around, find out why he got dumped. But no, you can't put a timetable on it. We're going to work our fannies off, and we are going to get it fixed. Yeah, that uh, did not happen as well. A lot of did not happens. You know, if, if the, I think uh, it was during the week, RJ sends out like a, a list of, you know, topics and stories. He said it was almost like Gettleman was like a politician that was running for office and made all these promises and uh, did, not, did not accomplish any of them. Did not accomplish any of them. All right, well, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Little Jets, little Giants before 430, where we'll turn our attention to uh, the uh, New York Knicks. But let's go out to uh, Mark is in Jersey. Mark, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Mark. Um, I just wanted to make the point that the problems with the Giants are basically centered on Mara, and the problem starts at the top. And one interesting statistic is that since uh, Lawrence Taylor and Phil Simms retired in 1993, the Giants have failed to win a playoff game in 25 of the last 28 years. Now, the only three years they won playoff games were the oh, Super Bowl yeah. appearances. So they were basically yeah. bailed out by those two miraculous four-game runs under Coughlin. Other than that, you know, utter failure. I mean, that's a long-term failure as far as I'm concerned and probably if Pete Rozelle doesn't butt in you could go back to 1964 because the only run they had of, of success was with Parcells who was hired by George Young who was forced upon the Maras by the NFL basically because of the feud between right. um, Wellington and his nephew so yeah, that, well, look, I, um, I, I get your point, Mark, but I think most, you know, most fan bases would take the <laughs> not making the playoffs a whole lot if, if when you did, you won. But yeah, that doesn't that doesn't speak well to things getting turned around quickly. And uh, look, I mean, when the Giants are any team that's as bad as the Giants have been, everybody's to blame. And that includes ownership because ownership has sold you a bill of goods a thousand times here now. And they've been as wrong as anybody. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. Um, all right, well, uh, thank right. you very much. All right, Mark. Yeah, no, I mean, look, they have. Um, if you want now, nobody has. You know, people have hinted this that it was ownership that wanted to keep Eli, and that Gettleman knew the deal that he was going to have to keep Eli, and that's why he drafted drafted Barkley number two. Problem is, he drafted a running back high when he was in Carolina too. So. Um, but do I think that there was some of that? You know, it, it's not always as black and white as, well, ownership forced him. But sometimes you know what your boss wants you to do, and he doesn't necessarily have to say it either. So, yeah, there's there's plenty of blame to go around, and, and ownership is not blameless in this situation. No, clearly. I mean, it, it has gone on. It, it, loyalty with the Giants, that's why I said in the open, they need somebody to come in and, and take a look at the situation. 
They need they need uh, an outsider's perspective, and that was one of the problems with Gettleman. When they hired Gettleman, they didn't really do a proper search. It was clear from jump, one, that they were going to part ways with, with Jerry Reese, that Gettleman was almost certainly going to be the guy. Now, maybe this will be the time that they, they finally realize that they have to go out and to get an outsider's perspective. Let's hope so. Because their judgment cannot be trusted. That's the, that's the biggest thing. They need somebody, again, as I said in the open, this, this makeover, this is not, uh, what is it, Chip and Joanna? The, this is not going to be a quick little fixer-upper. This is my 600-pound life. This is, we're going to have to really go to work here. We're going to have to have updates on, on, on later episodes about your progress. This is going to take a while. This is Extreme Makeover NFL Edition. Uh, let's go out to Ira's in Staten Island. Ira, what's going on? Hey, what's happening, Gordon? So we're wrapping up the season uh, tomorrow. You know, it's going to be nasty weather up in Buffalo, yeah. but maybe uh, LaFleur could take a page out of Belichick's game plan with the high winds and, and the cold weather and maybe try to make this a, a running game. And Who knows what could happen, but like, like you said, just go out there, compete, you know, keep the game interesting in the fourth quarter. But you, you brought up a very interesting point, you know, about Donald and, and Wilson. I agree with you. Donald did finish his rookie year better than Wilson did. I mean, Wilson has been playing smarter. He seems to be at least headed in the right direction right now. LaFleur seems to have gotten better since he's up in the booth. But, you know, statistically, Donald did put up better numbers. But the reason I feel more optimistic about Wilson is because you could just see talent-wise, you know, throw out the numbers. Just look at the plays that he's capable of making when he makes the right decisions. It's stuff that physically Donald wasn't able to do. And I think that's why, I guess, Wilson's ceiling is higher. Now, whether or not he'll get coached up right, your guess is good, good as mine. Whether they put the right pieces around him going forward, who knows. But, you know, if you want to look at it, you know, optimistically – you got to once again, like I've been hoping for the last 50 years, that they get this right. But at least it looks like the quarterback has the potential to be, you know, a, a franchise type of quarterback if everything falls into place the right way. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, you know, I'm still, I guess I'm a little bit more, um, I'm a little bit more even keel in that the, the, while he has played better here, right? If we were to put it on a scale, Ira. Of, of how when he plays well, how does he play? And when he plays poorly, how does it look? The poor, the, the poor play is to me much more eye-opening than even the, the good play, if that makes sense. Like when he get when when it when it doesn't go right, he looks so overwhelmed that he would have to play as like almost like one of the best quarterbacks in the league to kind of offset how poorly he looked at times this year, if that makes sense. Did we lose Ira? I think we lost Ira. Yeah, the only that's rationalization the one, oh, no, in my mind would yeah the only rationalization um hello hello yeah go ahead Ari you got him I got you oh yeah oh, sorry the only rationalization in my mind is that is that I felt he shouldn't have started the year maybe he got thrown to yeah. the fire too early and maybe slowly he's working his way out of it and you know what going into next year it'll probably take another half a season for him to even look better than you think he might look at the beginning of next year. I still think it's going to take two full years before we really know anything about Wilson. 
But once again, you know, Donald Wilson, I just think physically Wilson's a much more gifted quarterback than Donald was. I would agree with you, Ira, and thanks for the phone call, that he his top end, I think, is better. I think his ceiling is better, but his floor, if, I, if you went through the bad moments of Sam and the bad moments of, of Zach Wilson, I think Wilson's bad moments are lower. So, yeah, I would agree with you. He has a higher ceiling, but he also has a lower floor, and it is going to take time. The one good thing that I would say that I feel better about him moving forward than I did uh, about Darnold is I think that they have at least the potential to have a, a better talent evaluator than they had with, with, um, with Darnold. Uh, you, you take a look at this past draft. It looks pretty good. And if the court now look, if the quarterback's not good, the whole draft is screwed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, between the, the running back looks pretty good. Um, uh, Elijah Moore, when he was in there, it looked pretty good. I mean, they, they've, 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 you know, uh, and Vera Tucker, certainly he, uh, has hit the ground running. So, uh, hopefully, and you got a bunch of picks here this coming year. This is about adding as much time. I mean, the number one overall problem with the Jets is not, is not the quarterback per se. It's the overall talent of the team. You know, when you have bad, you have a bad GM, it sets you back, man. You got a lot of, you got to undo all the mess that that previous guy made and the Jets, they might have had the two worst GMs, well, I don't want to say in, in, in franchise history, but they were bad. Idzik to McCagden. Oh, I mean, that's a lot of digging out to do. You got a lot of talent to make up for with those two guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can see why you'd have some more optimism. There, there are reasons why I, I, I could see optimism. But when it comes to the quarterback, it's still um, that the, the images of how he played earlier in the season – I have not forgotten those. Though I mean, missing guys or wide open, um, you know, running around, looking to make some miracle kind of play. Now, he's not done that as much. I'll grant you that. And he's looked better here the last month. But, again, it's like, stop me if you've heard this one before. I have heard this one before. I have heard this one before. All right, let's go back to the phones. one 800 espn is the telephone number. Uh, Bill is in Jersey. Bill, go, my man. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, Bill. What's up? I just wanted to tell Giants fans that I think they're going to get the best surprise of the year tomorrow if Brian Lewerke gets in the game. Okay. Um, I don't Do think you know the Giants Lewerke? fans know much about him. Yeah. Brian Lewerke, the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. He's no, I know. Yeah, he was just activated off the practice squad. Yeah. Michigan State guy. Yeah. Why? Do you know him though? Do you know him personally? Well, I, I do know him personally, but I know him. But I've watched his entire career because I okay. lived in Michigan the four years he played there, and uh, he was a two-time bowl MVP. He's an all-time yardage leader for Michigan State. But what people don't realize is it's the first three years ever at Michigan State where they never had a thousand-yard rusher any one of those years. There's not a single offensive player on any of the teams he played on on an NFL roster, other than uh, the center from the LA Rams his freshman year. He's, he played with basically the worst roster Michigan State's had probably in the last 20 years. And he's a <laughs> that should prepare him for tomorrow. <laughs> that should prepare yeah, him for tomorrow. What, he, he, ran for his life for, he ran for his life for three years at Michigan State. People are going to be really surprised when he gets in the game tomorrow. And uh, they're gonna, I think it's going to be the best surprise of the year for the Giants fans. Well, uh, Bill, uh, from your lips to God's ear, let's hope that something uh, interesting happens tomorrow uh, in terms of the Giants. Uh, I think, and thanks for the phone call, I think if the Giant fan were to wish for a surprise, 
after tomorrow's game, it's that the ownership says, you know what, it's time to to, to move on from a whole lot of people, uh, and it's not just the GM. We gotta we gotta go to work. We gotta we gotta. This is like a, a, a come to Jesus kind of moment, and like we gotta get this right once and for all. And there, you know, like uh, people will always bring up with the Yankees about, well, if George Steinbrenner were alive, if George Steinbrenner. When in reality, if you live through those years, there were plenty of times where George Steinbrenner's approach was completely wrong. I mean, he was an unhinged lunatic at times, firing people every every single year. Either the manager was getting fired, the pitching coach was getting fired, the GM was getting fired, every single year. And you can't win that way. But you know what? It feels like a lot of people in this town, they've kind of swung the other way a little bit too much where it's just there's a little bit too much patience and there needs to be a little bit more fire and brimstone. Uh, let's go out to uh, Derek is in Amityville. Derek, go, my man. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Derek. Um, I, I just I just wanted to get your feedback because I've been trying to be as objective as I can about um, – our current quarterback, the uh, Giants, Dan Jones. Jones. Sure. Yeah. I, I've been looking at all the statistics since 2019 till now. I, I it, Like, just looking at statistics alone, he, he doesn't look like the guy. So, outside of looking at the statistics, he has moments of where he is good, but he's not consistent. So, I, I, I'm just trying to figure out what solid reason did they have for bringing him back? Because I don't see what they see. Well, I mean, he's he's on a rookie deal, um, you know, and, and they, they felt like this past off season, let's improve the weapons around him, give him more options as a quarterback, and hopefully that will pay off dividends. Now, uh, you know, when it comes to bringing him back for next year, I, I'm fine with that as long as they're not picking up his fifth-year option and they're not signing him to some long-term contract extension because he's not proven anything yet. So I would give him another year. It's going to obviously be with a new coaching staff, and I would think a new head coach and a new GM to kind of evaluate him over the course of the year. And if if you bring in a new GM and he brings it, you know, somebody from outside the organization, and he brings in his coach from outside the organization, and they have one more year right before he has to get the fifth year option, or you talk about contract extension, you have a year to kind of because look, no matter who the quarterback is next year. Uh, the Giants are not going to be good. Now, I'm not saying that that the, he is. I'm not going to bring in any competition for him because, yeah, I mean he is not. He's not proven anything. That first year with Jones, I, I thought I saw some good things. Turnovers were obviously a glaring concern, but he has regressed since that opening year, and he's been hurt a lot too. And I don't think the Giants so, so are going to be a great me, team next year either. So let me ask you this question: Let's right. say during the draft, mm-hmm. those two first round picks. You're telling me if they don't see something that – let's say if they see somebody that they think may be a gym, they should pass up on that guy? Oh, no, not at all. No, if they, if they see somebody in the draft this year as a quarterback that they – you know, whoever's the GM and whoever's the coach, and they see somebody, the problem is is that this is not really a great draft for quarterbacks. There's at least the possibility – that one does not go in the top ten. The one guy it seems like is is Matt Coral uh, from Old Miss. Uh, that's the one guy that it looks like could go. I, I guess there's some talk about Kenny Pickett as well. But this is not really the year to uh, to be getting a quarterback. But no, if they see somebody they think is is no question uh, going to be a really good quarterback, yes, they should absolutely draft that person. I agree with you. Yeah. No, I mean. Thank look, you. 
All right, Derek. Yeah, look, uh, and I appreciate the phone call. This is what I say when I talk to Larry at night, that I'm about bringing people together. Derek called, had one point of view. I have another point of view. And what do we do? We, we find common ground. We, we find the middle ground where we both can agree. And we both feel like we have, the other has acquiesced to our point. That's what true compromise is about, making the other person feel like they've, they've won. Uh, yeah, but no, no, this is not really the draft for, um, for quarterbacks. So, yeah, I would, I would look to see what is available in the draft. Certainly, we have a lot of time, as we've mentioned. We've got 100 and some days. So we will be talking about the quarterbacks, be it Kenny Pickett out of, uh, out of Pittsburgh, Matt Coral out of Ole Miss, um, it doesn't seem like there's that many guys, though. This this is not the year for to be looking at quarterbacks. I guess the other kid is the kid out of Liberty. What is it, Willis? Uh, Malik Willis. There's at least a, a potential that he could go in the first round, although not in the in the in the area that the the Giants are looking. But look, hey, if if that would be the best of both worlds, you find somebody that you like as a quarterback and they're not the high pick that you have to, you can trade down, get picks later on and you find a quarterback. Well, that would be an absolute home run, but it doesn't seem like this is the year to be going out and and drafting a quarterback and really given all the other needs that the giants have, right? Offensive line. You certainly say that they, they need help there. Um, I don't think that you're going to be looking clearly at a running back with either of those two first picks. But if there is a dynamic, this is a deep, I think a deep, I'll ask Connor um, coming up about uh, wide receiver. Is this, this is a deep wide receiver draft. The Giants could certainly use a dynamic wide receiver. Um, they could use offensive line help, as we always talk about. They could use a pass rusher for sure. They could use a linebacker. Now, I don't think you can take a linebacker up that high, but you know what I'm saying. Like, the, the lists of needs with the Giants, uh, they, are, they are long. They are long. They, they, they did not get into this. You know, this is not simply a case of not being able to coach up all the talent that they have around them. That's not the case at all. Uh, let's go to uh, Riches in Brooklyn. Rich, go, my man. Yeah, just I'm glad to hear, to hear you mention offensive linemen finally. Because oh, yeah. It's... If you don't, if you don't protect the quarterback, if you don't open up holes for the running back, case closed. You could have Tom Brady, you could have Johnny Unitas back there. Nothing happens. The general manager has done a horrible job of evaluating 99% of the offensive linemen that he's picked, except for the guy Thomas, who finally shows some promise this year. The rest of it's been ridiculous. Signing that guy from uh, the Patriots. Three or so four the, years ago, yeah, that was, was a disaster. You've got to protect the quarterback and open up holes. And yeah. I don't think I don't think the coach deserves to go, but you got to get rid of Gettleman. That's oh no, no don't worry, Rich. The Gettleman will go <laughs> one way. Don't worry about. It. I mean, there's no way possible that Gettleman will not go. So don't worry about that. And look, I mean. Uh, and thanks for the phone call. This is a draft that I think is pretty deep in offensive linemen. It's certainly deep in pass rushers, I think. So, uh, yeah, th- those are those are two areas. You know, you can get by with a veteran quarterback with a, a subpar offensive line. But, no, if you have a young quarterback and a bad offensive line, we have seen you cannot do a single thing. Uh, let's squeeze in. Uh, Sam is in Rockland. Sam, go, my man. Hey, Gordon, what's up? Um, reminiscing about the Giants' uh, Super Bowl run, you know, they had about 15 players off the top of my head that made impact. Now, 
you know, bringing back Jerry Reese in some capacity wouldn't be the worst, or even some like the ESPN guys like Lewis Riddick, who is like pretty good in uh, evaluating talent. But just evaluating the Super Bowl runs, you know, they had players like Justin Tuck, Jason Pierre, Paul, and uh, like O.C. Uminiera, who was a huge player. And like those are players they hit on in the draft, not necessarily in the first round, second round, third round. Do you think that those days are long gone, or it's possible in the future? Just letting this it, it, is what possible in the future to get back to drafting well. Yes. Oh God, I hope so, Sam. I mean, yes, they can't they can't do much worse than they've been doing. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Like, yeah, oh yeah. Well, look, time. I got to see you know, Sam, and thanks for the phone call. I got to see who they go with. You know. Uh, I want to believe that they're looking without outside the organization, outside of their circle, right? Like outside of the people that they already know. That's been the problem. They, 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 they're the worst judges of themselves. They need an outside evaluator to come in and, and set them straight. Their way has not worked. It's like the line from, from a 40-year-old virgin. What you've been doing all this time is you've been doing the right thing to you the whole time, but... What you need to do is a little wrong. You got to figure out the opposite. Do the opposite. Be like uh, Costanza. Do the everything. Do the opposite. So yes, I think they have to bring in somebody from outside the organization. And if they, it, you know, what worries me is the fact that that report came out about Joe Judge his say his job essentially being safe is that it makes you wonder. All right, like what GM would say? Hey, you know what? I want to work with this guy. Is it already somebody inside the building? Is it already somebody that they know? Kevin Abrams is is the one name that gets mentioned a lot. I think that the the, the changes with the Giants have to be deeper than that. It can't just be, hey, we got a new GM and now that'll fix it. <laughs> the uh, they're they have bigger problems than just now. The GM was bad, no question. I'm not. Nobody's debating that. That's not an interesting debate. But um, now they have to have somebody come in and and really kind of evaluate themselves first before they evaluate anything else. Eric is in Jersey. Eric, go, my man. Yes. So I agree with you. Like, they need a new way of thinking. Like, when I saw it, I saw an article that, you, like, and you just mentioned it, they're thinking Kevin Abrams, like, promoting him. And that's, it's just going to be the same problem over and over and over. Um, and also, like, I don't understand how, if this is the last year, with him and Ingram, why didn't we trade him to get some sort of draft compensation? And even though it was like a fifth-round pick, it's something for next year. Yeah, Eric, uh, I mean, that was that was kind of mentioned the last couple of years, that uh, there was the possibility that Evan Ingram might bring you something back and they didn't go that route. Um, no, I mean, look, uh, and thanks for the phone call. They've, they've had a lot of um, – they've made a lot of mistakes, uh, a lot of mistakes. You know, the, the one good thing that they have done – over the last year was was trade out of the spot where they were in the draft. At least it felt like the right decision because now you have two first-round picks, and that's if you're looking for something to be optimistic about when it comes to the Giants, that's the thing. But you take a look at some of the players we mentioned, right, how good and how deep the draft was last year. You move down, you get Kadarius Toney, who looks like a, a, a very good talent but has not been on the field, and you take a look at all the other teams that took – instant playmakers and either on offense on defense that have made impacts in their rookie season so yeah I would feel a little bit worse about you know yeah it's great that you traded down and now you have two first round picks but as as a fan of a team that has been bad for a very long time 
it's not about where you pick, man, pick as much as it is who you pick. And uh, you can have all the picks you want. You know, the reason the Jets and Giants are bad has not been because of a lack of draft picks. It's because they haven't picked the right people. They haven't signed the right people. They haven't traded for the right people. And they've not put the right people in position to make those decisions. Oh, we're back here on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. It is 6 o'clock. And you know, if we are on the air doing the show on a Saturday at 6 o'clock, it's time for one thing and one thing only. And it is that time again. I've been off for a few weeks. But during that time, I don't believe anyone anywhere has taken the pulse of the worst that the NFL has to offer. We do it every single week on the Gordon Damer Show. We call it the polar opposite of power rankings. Everyone else, when they talk about the NFL, they focus on who's the best, who's the greatest. How would we possibly know? We watch the Jets and Giants every single week. So we have the polar opposite of power rankings, otherwise known as the poop rankings. So without further ado... With one week left in the NFL, let's find out which NFL teams are playing like poo-poo. Oh, yes. Strong open for the polar opposite of power rankings. And a bit of a surprise at number five. Well, not to me, but maybe to new listeners, maybe to people who are just looking at the standings thinking, oh, it might be the the Lions, maybe it's the, the Texans. No, number five, that would be... The Miami Dolphins. Yes. Hey, what, Gordon, You, how could you have the Dolphins as the fifth worst team? Look at their record. Well, I would say, uh, I would respond by saying, well, look at their team. Look at the games. Last week against an actual NFL team, they did not belong on the same field. The Titans' front four abused them. You know, like when you're uh, a kid and there's like a bigger kid, and you'll see them, they'll do the thing where they're holding the kid's head, and the kid's like swinging punches, and the kid can't get to him, but the, the big kid just keeps... That was basically an NFL version of that. You know, just because you beat the Jets twice, and the Giants who stink, and the Saints without a quarterback in Carolina, that doesn't make you good. And you know when your phone, you'll look at your phone, and it's ringing, and it comes up with like potential spam or fraud alert? That's the Dolphins. The Dolphins are the NFL version of a fraud alert against the tight. I mean, those two teams did not belong on the same field. The Dolphins have been a disaster. You know, they lost the Jaguars earlier in the season. That was a disgrace. Started out one and seven. And everybody, everybody, oh, well, look at how they've turned their season around. Yeah, when they play an actual NFL team, they get thoroughly exposed. And that's what happened last week. And I look, there's lots of people to blame. Uh, I blame mostly the dopey owner, Stephen Ross. And I will say this, because I don't want to waste too much time on the Dolphins. Book it now, people. Book it now. The owner will get fleeced when it comes to Deshaun Watson. After the game that Tua had last week, and I've kind of defended Tua, even though I'm not a Tua fan, uh, because generally the offensive line is just so horrendous. I mean, it's like impossible for the kid to do anything behind that offensive line. But he was terrible. I mean, he was in, in bad weather conditions. He was horrendous. And the owner, who's 81 years old, is now going to basically be firing off first-round picks like um, Leonardo DiCaprio was firing off fun coupons on the side of the boat in Wolf of Wall Street. It's going to be a disaster. So for those reasons, and so many more, 
The Dolphins, you are number five on the polar opposite of power rankings. Number four. Well, at number four, we have a tie. Yeah, I didn't want to go to six, so we got a tie at number four. Uh, First up, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, oh yeah, the Panthers, who went from Sam Darnold to P.J. Walker to Cam Newton. I think back to P.J. Walker. I think back to Cam Newton, and then they went back to Sam Darnold. And you know what? They all stink. They all are terrible, including Sam Darnold. You realize in the two games since Darnold has returned, he's averaged 160 yards passing. He has zero touchdown passes and has been sacked 11 times. Remember at this time last year, remember those people who would call up, you can't draft a quarterback if you're the Jets. Just keep Sam. Just keep. I wish I would have kept a list. I should have kept a list of all those people calling me every single week. I told you every single week, Sam's not very good. He's not very good. Wow, what is he supposed to do? He has nothing to work with. No, he's part of the problem. He's absolutely part of the problem. Oh, he needs more time. Trust me, the Carolina Panthers wish they could go back in time and not give up what they gave up for Sam Darnold. What an absolute mess. That team's a mess. Their search for a quarterback has been an absolute mess. And they'll probably be another bunch of you know, Bobo's trying to hand over whatever they can to get Deshaun Watson because their owner has been de- now he's not as old, but he's been desperate for a franchise quarterback. He's been there about four years, and they look as the season comes to an end, very good chance that Matt Rule might be out of a job even with his seven-year contract. What a mess the Carolina Panthers have been. But they also have company at number four. That would be the Houston Texans. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you got to give the Texans a little bit of credit because they've actually won as many games this year as they did last year with Deshaun Watson. So and you'd have to think if you did that, the coach has to be back, right? And the quarterback, Davis Mills, not last week for so much, but has played reasonably well considering the situation. But you know what? It almost feels like this year for them has been a little counterproductive. Because this year was the year to just kind of get through, lose just about every game, get the top pick, and move on. And it's not like there's some franchise player available with that top pick. But now they have the third pick. And I get it. They'll get a haul of picks for Watson. But you know what? They probably won't end up taking a quarterback this year because Davis Mills has looked functional at times. They'll probably hold on to the coach, even though I don't know that he's a good coach in David Culley, but um, it just feels like it's, you know, they didn't go all in. They kind of went halfway in and and halfway out, and I guess you can't, I mean, they did everything they could to lose games. I mean, they're starting a third-round quarterback with no talent, terrible offensive line, the defense has been picked apart, but it just kind of feels like a little bit of a wasted season for them. So for those reasons and so many others, the Panthers, the Texans, you are both at number four on the polar opposite of power ranking. All right, we'll go to number three, and it is uh, still the Jets. It feels like the Jets have been number three the whole season. Up, down, down, well, ins, outs, all around the town. It's the Jets at number three, and uh, look, as as I've said in the show, I I get the optimism about Zach Wilson. Uh, Still, it's not been a great year. And the reason why last week looked so great is because what you've had to compare it to. I mean, he's looked overwhelmed throughout the majority of the season, missed a bunch of time as a result. And it kind of, I don't know, like if I were a Jet fan, man, it would just kind of feel like Groundhog Day. Hey, Zach Wilson's having this great final month of the season. Yeah, I remember when Sam Darnold, that was going to mean something moving forward. 
hey, you know, this offseason, we got all these draft picks, we got all this cap space, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, how many years in a row are we going to talk about cap space and draft picks? I mean, man, oh, man, oh, man. But, you know, mostly I put the Jets at number three, and they're they're part of the, the, the poop rankings, if you will, mostly because you've made me watch you every single week. I've had to devote one of my TVs to the Jet game every single week. And it's been brutal. You know, I, I, me- I mentioned it about the Giants a lot of times, but it's true about the Jets as well. It's like NFL Sundays. We only get 18 of them. And it's like the carnival's coming to town. It's, fun. It's, it's the event of the week. It's what you look forward to the whole time. You sit down on an NFL Sunday. You got your remotes. You got your snacks. You got your drinks. And then, you know, the carnival comes to town, and, and you're not watching the trapeze artist. You're not watching the lion tamer. You're, you're sitting with the bearded lady. That's the Jets and Giants. They're the bearded lady. That's who they are. It's rough. It's very, very difficult. So, for those reasons and so many others, the Jets, you are number three in the polar opposite of power rank. All right, so that leaves just the two heavy hitters. Who could it be? Who could it be? Well, number two. It's the New York Giants. This is, oh, sorry. This is the first time in the two years that we have been doing this that the Giants have ranked higher on the poop list than the Jets. This is historic, people. This is, this is groundbreaking. And I don't think it's debatable. The Giants are unwatchable. Last week... Their game against the Bears, that game plan, was as close to a forfeit as you will ever see on an NFL field. I mean, they did not even try. They did not try to win the game. And, you know, my wife, who does not care about sports at all, but I was was talking to her about the Giants, about how bad they are, and the fact that it looks like Joe Judge's job is safe. And I don't get it. You... So I'm, I'm trying to tell her about the, the, the makeover the Giants think they need and the makeover the Giants actually need. And I found an analogy that she would understand. And it's that the Giants need a makeover. And the Giants think they can go on one of those HGTV shows where like, they make over a kitchen in 30 minutes, right? Like a new coat of paint, little new backsplash, and away you go. Nothing crazy, right? 30 minutes from this to that. That's not the makeover the Giants need. The Giants are more of my 600-pound life. The Giants are hoarders. They, they need deep change. They need change down to the bone. They need update segments. You know, remember this person from like three episodes ago? Well, we checked in on them again. They're still making some progress. They're still making some progress. Step on the scale. Let's see. Oh, another five. All right, well... It's better than gaining. The Giants need extreme makeover NFL edition because right now, the Giants, the on-field product with the Giants, they are the biggest loser. I don't think, you know, I was filling in on uh, DPH and Rothenberg earlier in the week, and Rick asked me the question, like, right now, at this moment in time, who could the Giants beat? I, I-, I don't think they can beat anybody. With their offense, be- like, if they... I don't want to give it away, but if they played the number one team on the poop list, would they win? I don't think so. I don't think that they could possibly win a game right now, given their offense, given their team, 
And boy, oh boy. So in terms of a makeover, they need the the whole kit. And, there was one uh, makeover show where they had the people like undergo plastic surgery. <laughs> what was that? Like the swan or something like that. That That's what they need. That's what the Giants need. And to think that they, they're just going to run it on back. Same quarterback. Same coach. Eh, they'll make a little change here and there. Oh, they'll tell you how tired they are of the losing and how, you know, John Mara come out and talk a good game. It would be nice if the Giants ever played a good game. Ever. Well, Gordon, you know, they got the backup quarterback. People, they stunk with the starter. The Giants have not been over 500 in five years. That is not, that's not me like exaggerating. That is a literal fact. Have not been over 500 in five years. And with the backup quarterback and Mike Glennon, they went out and targeted him right out of the gate in free agency. This one, they knew that their quarterback gets hurt all the time. And then there's this stat. The Post had it this week. This is going to be the Giants' 55th straight game in which they don't have the combination of their number one running back, their number top three wide receivers, and their top t- tight end. 55 games in a row. It was basically the beginning of Pat Shermer's regime the last time the Giants basically were healthy at the skill positions. And as bad as they are, they are unwatchable. The coach has been a bigger disaster. We've gone through all the things, right? And I think this week is going to be really, really bad. So for those reasons and for so many others, your New York Giants, they are number two on the polar opposite of power rankings. And look, I, I thought I toyed with the idea of putting the Giants number one because of how they play. I mean, they have – oh, my gosh – it's like a car wreck. You you got to check in on it every once in a while, but you can't stare at it too long. Um, so I thought about the Giants at number one, but that would be shortchanging the team that is number one, and that obviously is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, who else could it? Who else could it possibly be? I mean, they got rid of the worst coach we have seen. I mean, maybe the worst NFL hire of all time, and somehow against all odds, they have gotten. Worse. They lost by 40 last week. 40. They already have people turning down chances to interview. They don't even want to talk to the Jaguars. So that idea, like, yeah, we say, well, you know, there's only 30, 32 of these jobs. Yeah, some people are approaching it like there's only 31 of them. And it looks like Bill O'Brien has the inside track. And here's the thing Trevor Lawrence, uh, I brought it up with, with Mike Tannenbaum during the week about. Are you concerned? And he said, yeah, <laughs> I'd be concerned. Trevor Lawrence's stats this year, I know they're only stats, but they, how he's played has backed it up. His stats this year were worse than Jamarcus Russell's rookie season. Take that in. Soak that in for a little while. He has two touchdown passes since Halloween. And the thing that uh, I brought up with uh, Connor Rogers, they're always in garbage time. The Jaguars games start in garbage time. You would think, you know, yeah, they're terrible. They're they're losing, and he's throwing a bunch of picks. But he's throwing some touchdown passes. They're scoring some points. No, they're not. No, he's not. And whatever numbers you want to go through, this is – you can put this – you could etch this in stone. The Jaguars have completely wasted – the first year of Trevor Lawrence's NFL career. And you kind of have to wonder how much of a carryover there's going to be because 
They literally could, whoever they hire as the coach, he could be the coach of the year next year, and they could just win like six games. (laughs) That's how bad the situation is. The Jaguars have been on the poop rankings. They've never been off the list. Last year, they finished number two. Uh, And this year, with one week to go, they are number one. So for those reasons, and I mean, we could do the whole rest of the show on this alone, but for those reasons and so many others, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you are, my friends, number one on the polar opposite of power rankings. Oh, my goodness, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone. I feel such a relief. It feels uh, it's so good to get that off my chest and other places. But coming up, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. We'll get back to your phone calls. We take you up till 7 o'clock, Knicks and Celtics pregame, then only on 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Okay, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. It is that time of the show where we run down our NFL picks for Week 18. And I should tell you, look, I haven't been on the last few weeks. And i got to be honest with you, I have to do more research to find out what the overall record is for the season. I think I'm still like six or seven games over 500 for the season, but I'll check that uh, in the break. But you should know about me. I have never in my life lost a Week 18 game. That's because it's the first time there's ever been a Week 18 game. But let's get the NFL picks for the final week of the regular season. All right, we'll start things off. Obviously, the game that's uh, going on right now, the Chiefs, the Broncos. I know what's going on right now, but uh, Kansas City opened as an 11.5-point favorite. I'm on KC in this game, mainly because, I mean, in Week 18 – Not that there's a lot going on in terms of in or out, but you have to look at which teams have something to play for. And Kansas City has a lot to play for. Now, the highest they can get to, well, they could be the number one seed if the uh, Titans lose, but even being the number two seed is pretty valuable. You get two home games, and plus you still have the chance at number one, and they're playing right now, so at least they can they can win their game, go out, know that they have their win, and then they get to see what happens tomorrow. So And plus... At this point, Drew Locke is just not very good. His shoulder's all banged up. So I will go. I did go with the Chiefs in this game. Give me Kansas City minus the points. Uh, A little later tonight, of course, you get Dallas and Philly. I almost forgot about the sound effect. How could I forget that? Dallas and Philly. Eagles plus four and a half. Now, again, this one's kind of tough because Dallas can technically move, but so much stuff has to happen for them actually to move up. Um, in the uh, the playoff standings. I could see them resting some guys, but the thing is, the Eagles just had a bunch of guys go on COVID. So, and I think that there is something for the Cowboys to, you know, maybe get their mojo back um, after last week, play their guys a little bit longer in this game, even though there's not a whole lot to play for. And if this is a battle of backups, I think I have a little bit more confidence in the Dallas backups rather than the Eagles backups. So, uh, plus with Philly on all the guys with the COVID list, I will take Dallas minus the four. Packers-Lions. Now, the first two games, I don't really feel all that strongly about those two games. This game, I feel strongly about it. Packers at Lions. Detroit is plus three and a half. Now, the reports are that Rodgers will play, but he's not going to play that long. So maybe he only plays a half. Maybe he only plays a quarter. So, And the Lions have at times been a plucky team, right? They've kind of hung tough, not so much last week, but they have hung tough throughout the season. Here's my read on this game. Aaron Rodgers is going to play. 
And I feel like after the comments that were made this week by that, that writer about the MVP, Rodgers is just the kind of spiteful guy to go out there, throw three touchdown passes in the first half, have the Packers up big. Now, look, that lead might not last because, again, the Lions at times, but it's the final week of the season. I feel very strongly about Rodgers and the Packers going out there and at least playing long enough to kind of dictate the game. So give me the Packers, minus three and a half. Moving on to uh, games that uh, really don't matter. Bears at Vikings, a good chance both teams are changing coaches uh, after the season. Certainly the Bears will be. This is a typical Kirk Cousins type of thing, right? Typical that now that the Vikings, now that Cousins' team is out of it, he'll go back in there and, and have a big game. You know, last week he could not show up for the, their biggest game of the season, which Usually he only does in like a figurative sense. Literally last week he could not show up for their biggest game of the season. The Bears offense is brutal despite what you would think by watching them last week against the Giants. I mean, the fact that the Giants gave up 29 points, whatever, how many points they gave up offensively, 27 points, whatever it was, uh, is just an embarrassment. So give me Minnesota minus the five and a half. Colts at Jaguars. Jags are getting 15 and a half points. Boy, that seems a little inflated, don't you think? Boy, that's like price gouging or something, I feel like. Um, Look, the Colts are going to, they have to win this game. They need to win this game. They will win this game. They're going to run the ball every single play. They've got Jonathan Taylor. The Jaguars can't stop a nosebleed. Uh, But you know what? I just kind of have a weird sense, a weird feeling that the Jags will figure out a way how to cut. You know, I just feel 15 and a half points. Like if the Jaguars score even a touchdown, that might be enough to, you know, because the Colts are not going to score a ton of points. I don't really trust Carson Wentz at all. So uh, I just get a weird feeling the Jaguars are going to find a way to cover. So give me the Jags and the big old bag of points. Titans, Texans, Titans are minus 10. Uh, They did lose the Texans earlier in the season, which is a very odd loss. I mean, the Titans, what a weird year. They lost to the Texans. They lost to the Jets. You know, if they'd won either of those games. Now, the Texans game, they they really never had a shot. The the Jet game, they did have a shot. But uh, if they win either of those games, they don't really have to worry about the number one seed. They'd have it wrapped up. But, you know, uh, this is an important game for them. They need the bye, especially if they want to get Derrick Henry back, which you know that they do. Uh, to get him back, that would be a huge plus. You know, sometimes these weeks we've seen in the past teams don't, like, as as important as it might be for home field or, you know, seating, teams don't really get motivated by that a lot of times. And it's always shocking when it happens. I think the Titans will be a team. Mike Vrabel will drill that home to his team. And I think that they would know that anyway. I think Vrabel is the coach of the year considering all the things that he has lost in the process between the wide receivers, between Derrick Henry. They still have a shot at being the number one overall seed. And i, I got to be honest with you, I don't really think that they're all that great. You know, it would be one thing if they lost all those weapons and they had a superstar quarterback. They got Ryan Tannehill, who's okay. But uh, I think that um, Mike Vrabel is the coach of the year. And I do think that the Titans will beat the Texans by 10. Washington and the New York football Giants. And the Giants are getting a touchdown. I got to be honest with you. I'm surprised it's not, it's not more. 
I get the feeling that Washington is going to want to go out there and just put a hurting on the Giants. The Giants are like a wounded animal. And not even wounded. Like, I mean, like, mortally wounded. Like, it's on the last, the last breaths. Every breath could be the last one. So uh, they can't score. They were embarrassed last week by the Bears. They get embarrassed every single week. They've lost every single week. They lose by two touchdowns. So give me the football team minus just one touchdown. Steelers and Ravens. Ravens are uh, minus four and a half. So Steelers on the road as underdogs in a division game where their opponent will be playing their backup quarterback. I don't know. I don't get a real strong feeling on the game, but I pick them all. So give me the Steelers plus the four and a half. Bengals and Browns. Uh, Assuming the Chiefs win today, there's no chance the Bengals move up. They're not already playing their quarterback. They shouldn't really probably be playing anybody. You know, Joe Burrow got a little dinged up at the end of the game against the Chiefs last week, so he's not going to play. Jamar Chase shouldn't be playing. I don't think any of their starters should be playing because they got bigger... They got bigger things to worry about, and um, with the Browns, uh, they're not going to have Baker Mayfield, which is a plus for them. <laughs> you know, the Bengals not having their starting quarterback, that's a big loss. The, the Browns not having their starting quarterback, that's a big plus. So Cleveland is minus six. I guess give me Cleveland, who probably wants to wrap up a brutal season with a win. Patriots and Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins are plus six. Here's the thing. I've been telling you it all season long. The Dolphins stink. They stink. Uh, they have nothing to play for. Their their winning streak was eliminated, you know, was ended last week. They were officially eliminated from the postseason. They're not a very good football team. They cannot block. They cannot block. Their offensive line is as putrid as any Jets, Giants included. And the Pats have something to play for, right? Pats and Bills both going for that top seed. Bills have a little bit of a better position. But, you know, the Pats are going to go hard. And both games are at 4 o'clock, so I will take the Patriots minus the 6. Jets, Bills, Buffalo. Oh, my gosh. Talk about price gouging. Buffalo minus 16 and a half. Well, the Bills win every, every single one of their wins this year have come by double digits. Every single one. And they need this game, right? You know that they want to have as high a seed. They'd like to win the division They don't want to get knocked down and be behind the Patriots. So I kind of feel like the Jets had their moment last week. You know, even though they lost the game, the quarterback looked good. The running game worked. They made some plays. Berrios was doing things, and he's not going to be there this week. The Jets have played better lately, but I think that whole thing collapses this week. So I will take the Bills even minus 16 and a half. Panthers and Bucks. Bucks minus eight. Again, two seeds important. Bucks still have a shot on it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rely on that because the Panthers. Oh my God, have they been just a disaster? And after everything that's happened with Antonio Brown, and all week everybody's talking about how big a loss Antonio Brown is, how big a loss that's going to be for the Bucks. Oh my goodness, they're in trouble now. I get the feeling Tom Brady's going to go out there to maybe prove a point and maybe kind of boost himself up in the MVP voting. So I'll take the Bucks minus eight. Saints-Falcons, Atlanta plus three and a half. Saints obviously have something to play for, have a chance to get in if the Niners lose. Falcons did beat them last time. I don't think that that's going to happen again. Falcons, uh, in terms of wins and losses, they've actually had a surprising season, but I just don't think they're very good. So give me the Saints on the road, minus the uh, three and a half. 
Seahawks at Cardinals, Arizona, minus six and a half. They did get a good win last week against the Cowboys, but they're far better at, at, on the road than they have been at home this year. I don't know. I just get a, a weird feeling that Seattle might be able to pull something off here. Not win, but kind of keep it close. So give me Seattle minus the six and a half. The game that I have gone back and forth and back and forth on all week long. I think that the Rams, even though they've had a very disappointing season, have a chance to do something in the postseason. It would not shock me at all if they were to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. The Niners' secondary, I think their entire secondary, is in the COVID protocols. And Shanahan has beaten McVay in like five straight games. But I don't know. I just got a sneaky suspicion that the Rams are going to find a way here, even with Jimmy Garoppolo. Looks like he might play through that thumb injury, but I'm going to say give me the Rams minus the four. And then finally, the final game of the regular season, Chargers, Raiders, Vegas plus three. And I'd like to congratulate myself because I believe I've made it through the entire regular season without once referring to the Raiders as being from Oakland. So that, I, you don't realize what an accomplishment that is for me. I am very proud of myself. Well, you know me, I, I'm on the Chargers. I love the Chargers. I've been on the Chargers all season long. I think the Chargers will win, but boy, there's always the potential that the Chargers, you know, they're the Chargers, man. They do Charger things. So I think that they will win, but it will be close. So give me Vegas plus the points. And that is going to wrap up week 18 in our picks here on the Gordon Damer Show. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.